Alright, so this is Life's Collage Episode 2, and I'm here with my dad, Ron, again. Um, and today we're going to talk about something a little different. Um, it's still got some of the same fun elements in it, but uh, but it's just a, a little bit of, of a different subject. So, um, how you doing today, Dad? Great. How yeah? You? Doing pretty good. Good. Caught a little bit of sunshine today, so that was nice. Um well, anyway, so do you want to kind of, what time period was this one in? This would have been uh, uh, after I got back from Vietnam. I say I got back in December of 1969, so this probably would have been early 70s, maybe 73 about, might have been close. Okay. Yeah. And what were you doing for a living at the time? Uh, I... Uh, Self-employed, right? Oh yeah, I, I was pretty well. Other than a short time, I worked for a older guy and uh, framed houses. I had to beg for a job. I remember at, uh, uh, he was building a, oh, I can't remember, almost four thousand square foot house for one of the professors at Western Oregon College. And uh, this guy was a, a just a grouchy old guy. He come up from California, lived here for quite a few years, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> he was just exceptional. It turned out that he we got along really well in, in future times. But we, uh, I, I'll, I'll tell a little bit about this because it's, it's, yeah, it's let's fun. let's go into it. Yeah. So what happened is uh, uh, it was one of my earlier jobs when I got back. Uh, uh, it was a time period. Uh, you know, I can't remember who was president at that time, but boy, times were tough. Uh, Hard to come by a job and stuff. Or? Oh yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I think it was maybe seventy two, seventy three. And I'm, for some reason, I'm thinking Carter may have been president. And I, I do recall if if it was during the Carter times, um, the uh, interest rate went up to twenty one percent. So think about buying a house or something at twenty one percent. Think about buying anything at twenty one percent. So needless to say, it, uh, the the economy was really crashed. It was bad, really not good times at all. So, and uh, so it was probably a couple of years after I returned from Vietnam, maybe not even that much. And I I uh, got wind of a uh, of him framing or building a house out south of Monmouth. He lived in this area, Fall City area, and uh, so <clears throat> I showed up on his job site. Nobody was there yet early one morning, and I hung out waiting to see if he'd come, and uh, they showed up. He had uh, three employees, and he looked at me and said, who are you? And I says, I told him my name, and he said, uh, well, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I come to see if you need some help. I don't need any help. Get off my job. <laughs> I said, well, I'm just, and and uh, he says, go on, get out of here. He says, I got work to do. <laughs> so uh, being persistent, next morning I showed up again. As I got older, I wouldn't have ever done that and come back. But anyhow, next morning came back again. He says, what are you doing on my job again? <laughs> just seeing if you need a hand. He said, all right, I told you, I don't need any help. Get he, off my job. He was just as welcoming that day, huh? Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. So this went on for about five days. Every day, same thing, back early in the morning. I'd be there when he'd get there, and he'd, same thing. What are you doing back here again? <laughs> so anyhow, one day, uh, he came rolling in. He drove an old international panel probably in the 50s, mm. it, was, it was yellow, and uh, 
he'd come rolling in and it, it wasn't a, a panel with windows it was a, a solid panel and so the back was all metal and uh these guys would come crawling out the side door that was where the employees and so uh, uh one guy drove to work himself and so he gets out and he said uh he looked at the other two and he said where's so-and-so they said i don't know and he said uh well he's supposed to be here now and he was he was bellering like he did all the time and uh he looked at me he says you want to work you know how to build houses <laughs> i said no i don't but i'll sure i i learned fast and i said you want this thing built i'll build it for you and so <laughs> he says uh he looked at the rest and he said, get over there and get to work. What you guys stand around here for? And he stood there with me for a minute. And he says, I pay $2 an hour. And he said, uh, if you want a job, that's what I pay. And he said, uh, my highest paid man here is two fifty an hour. Well, actually, at that time, it wasn't good money, but it, wasn't it was money. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. No. So. That's crazy to think about. $2.50 yeah. an hour. Yeah. Wow. So I went to work and... Uh, I I still was kind of in the habit of Vietnam, so I had a I still had my jungle greens that I brought back uh, the the uh, the pants. Yeah, the pants and the I didn't wear the upper in uh, camouflage, but it was hot summer days, <clears throat> and so I just peeled off my t-shirt and went to work. And he had me packing lumber to feed the rest of the guys that were framing up on the second story, and uh, one of the guys was supposed to help me. And I'd walk over to the lumber pile and I'd grab as many two by sixes as I could get under my from my hand to my armpit in each arm and take off and run with them. And he said, Don't lift that much, you're gonna hurt yourself. I said, No, I'm just fine. <laughs> and I'd run back and forth for just a little bit and they'd have so much lumber up there they'd be hauling at <laughs> me to stop. Over it. <laughs> yeah. And the other guy that was doing it, he'd carry one or two pieces at a time. <laughs> so I That's just funny. Yeah, when I got them loaded up, I says, uh uh Got an extra hammer up there, and uh, they said, ah, you aren't supposed to come up and help us. And anyhow, I went up and <laughs> started started Naturally. laying out lumber for them. I mean, they had the walls kind of laid out. Harry actually did all the laying out. He didn't He didn't let anybody else touch anything with the actual building. Just everybody was supposed to nail, do They're their... Just putting do, stuff together. Yeah, they they had a hammer and nail, and that was their job. <laughs> so, gotcha. Yeah. So I went to work. Uh, uh, I just started laying the studs in there and nailing them in ask them where, where they wanted them they showed me how the lines worked on them how they marked the the top and bottom plates for the walls and and then harry saw me and he says what are you doing up here get back down there and start packing lumber and i said well they're loaded up they're they're behind i'm trying to help them get this cleaned up and he says uh you don't do anything unless i tell you to <laughs> just, just being a turd huh? yeah just just ridiculous so uh anyhow so i just went ahead and and uh, got them caught up and then went back down, loaded them up again, and just kept going like that. So it wasn't, uh, this went on for a couple days and uh, maybe a few days, and he went into town. He had to go and get material for something. And uh, he left. Well, I went up and helped him. We got the walls done he had laid out. And I said, well, it looks to me like there's got to be a wall down on this end of the house. So I said, uh, <laughs> where's the plans at? <laughs> he said, well, they're laying over there, but don't you touch them because he'll, he'll fire you. Nah, we'll put a wall together. said, I think we can figure this out. So I went, looked at the plans, measured out the plates, and laid the walls out. Oh, wow. Yeah, laid them all out. Had a couple windows, several windows in it. And 
And he came back, and oh, did he blow up. Oh, really? Who did that? Who who framed that wall? I didn't tell anybody to frame that wall. Was it right? Was it correct? Well, he took out a tape measure, and he measured Well, it was going to be wrong no matter what. I, I could see that. Yeah. And he took out a tape measure and measured over, and he said, this wall's three quarter or this window's three quarter, three quarters of an inch out of place. <laughs> he said, "Who was the idiot that did this?" And I, <laughs> you and, had to stick your hand up. Oh yeah, I said, uh, "I'm the one that framed that wall." And he said, "Or uh, I'm the one that laid it out." So I'm the I'm, if you want to talk to somebody, I'm the guy. And uh, and he he started going off, and he he said. Uh, he, he, he crossed my line. You know, I actually had a red line. I didn't know about it. Well, I did kind of, but <clears throat> he crossed my tolerance line and he walked over at me. He said, I've never seen anybody so stupid in my life and started dragging my face. Oh my gosh. And I stood there for just a couple of minutes with him doing that. And I stuck my finger in his face. I said, look, old man, I'm going to tell you one thing right now. I don't yell at you. You don't yell at me. We show respect to each other or else we got a problem. And he stood there and looked at me, and the other guys were all standing around. And they all thought, "Whoa, boy, he's <laughs> he's going down the road." And he stood and he and he just looked at me for a minute, and I said, "Do we have an understanding?" And he says, "Get back to work." And <laughs> from that day on, he never ever raised his voice at me ever again. But he went right on with all the other employees because you stuck up for yourself. Yeah, same way. Uh, but I think he also recognized that. I was different because yeah. I worked. I didn't, nobody had to stand and tell me. Yeah. So as that, so you guys were working on this project, this is your first little bit on the job and you're already, you know, chomping at the bit to read these blueprints and do all these things that nobody else is. So continue. What happens next? Well, as it turned out, uh, since he lived, uh, he drove right by my place every day and actually some of the other guys were working or living in Fall City too. And and I didn't live in the town. I lived out sideways. And, and uh, he drove by my place every day anyhow. So he said, well, you can just ride with us. You don't need to drive over there. He said, that'd be great. Save me some gas. Yeah. And uh, For sure. So <laughs> this guy had kind of a mini farm uh, and he had goats. He, he was a goat. He was <laughs> Him and his wife were goat, goat people, boy. I'm telling were you. Were they? Oh, yeah. They loved their goats. And he was probably, he had been 70. Uh good pretty good shape i mean he was uh thin uh wore the bibbed overalls the carpenter overalls and you know hmm. and uh so the first day in his rig i the side door slides open and i crawl up in there and i could not believe it he had a bunch, <laughs> he had uh, several bales of hay in there that was there for your bench seat oh my god and there were those little round goat turds rolling all over the floor <laughs> What did it smell like? It smelled like goats. <laughs> and, and I get over and sit on a bale of hay, and I'm thinking, boy, you got to be kidding me. So every day, that's how I went to work, and uh, uh, it was it was kind of strange. <laughs> that is. That's funny. But uh, the first pay period we had, which I can't really paid every week, and I think he told me that when he started. He said, pay once a week. And uh, what he did, he'd call one person at a time over, and he'd sit in the driver's seat of his rig, and he'd pay each person, because he didn't want the others to know what he paid each person. Mm. And uh, I, I guess I impressed him, because, like I say, he had, the highest paid guy he had was 250 an hour. 
And he got me in the he last, and he he says he's uh, he hollered through the window, told me get over there and get the pickup, you know. And so I went over and sat down in there, and he says, uh, well, he said, uh, oh, when he hired me, that was come to think of, I missed a piece there too. When he when he hired me at the two dollars an hour, I said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I said I'll go to work for you for two dollars an hour. Now you got to remember, I needed work bad, and oh, yeah. I said if it. Uh, if at the end of the first week you don't find me worth more than two fifty an hour or two dollars an hour, I said uh, I'll part company and you go your way and I'll go mine. Yeah, that's fair. Yep, and uh, I don't know what he thought when I did that to him, <laughs> as grouchy as it was. Yeah, but he needed help that day. So anyhow, so to fast forward to this moment now, at the end of that week, uh, he uh, had come up, had me come over and sit down. And he said, you know, he said uh, I haven't had any employee that works as hard as you do he said even though you don't know a lot about framing and stuff yet he said you make up for it in your in what you produce and he said uh i'm gonna do something i've never done before and he said uh and you've got to promise me you'll never tell anybody what i paid you but he said i'm gonna pay you five dollars an hour wow yeah so double his highest paid guy and they'd worked for him for over a year so that's crazy. Yeah. So he did. And I said, well, I really appreciate that. And I said, I'll, I'll hang here with you. And I said, I've already went in and uh, uh, registered at uh, Chemeketa to take a blueprint reading class. Hmm. So I took that at nights and uh, finished that. And in the end, I think I knew way more about the blueprints than he did. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. But he was, uh, turned out we got to be really good friends and, uh, he was uh, actually a really great guy, and um, well, so did you start? So, how did your responsibilities and stuff? Did they? Were you? Did you continue to frame houses, or how did that? Yeah, yeah. We uh, we finished that house <clears throat> before we got it done. He had been out looking at other houses. Yeah, and he came to me one day and he said, "I need to know something. Will you stay with me if I? I'm going to take on two houses, and I'll I'll keep a crew and." And I'll uh, build one, and then I'm going to have you build the other one. I said, you think I'm ready? <laughs> he said, yeah, you can do it. You were probably <clears throat> nervous, huh, about that? Well. Or did you feel pretty good about it? I, I just, I I always had a can-do attitude. Right. So, so, so I thought, yeah, I can do that. And I'd finished my blueprint reading class. I understood everything about reading the prints, the, you know, everything. All the uh, uh, electrical Plumbing, everything was involved in the blueprint reading class. Yeah, and it was really a good, smart move. It, was, it really was a good thing for me. And um, he said, uh, "We'll come over here on the weekend, and I'll take you and show you both jobs and uh, what they're going to be." He had the copy of the blueprints. Mm-hmm. So one of them was kind of out northwest of the college there in in Monmouth. Uh, Western Oregon. Yeah, it used to be OCE. Oh, okay. Yeah, back then. And uh, and it was the second one we looked at, and he said, this is one you're going to build. Uh-uh. And he lays the plans out, and this stupid house is a, uh, the main body of it was a two-story hexagon, had eight-foot eight <laughs> con- eight concrete walls in the basement in hexagon form. Oh. And the footings for the concrete walls to sit on and the second story were, uh, I can't remember, seems like they're about three feet wide and maybe 
two feet deep the concrete was all kinds of rebar in it and uh that's a big big undertaking yeah just in itself <laughs> and uh anyhow uh i thought well i should be able to do it, it it's no different in building you just got to follow the blueprints yeah and he looked at me and he said you think you can handle it and i said well it looks like it'll be a challenge but i'll figure it out yeah and so uh so we started on it and or i did and he gave me two men and we started on it oh the other key to this was on that that hexagon part it had uh, uh, a wing i think it had two wings that went off of the main body of the house one was for the, all the bedrooms and things this would have been the living room uh, kitchen and things in the whole big hexagon area and in the center of the hexagon it had a uh, fireplace oh okay yeah that's kind of cool so that had to be framed in and i if i remember right it was open all the way around and i i can't really remember how that how we did that part and then the other trick was it was all open beam ceiling oh so the the between the beams that went to each part of the hexagon mm. uh there was a big beams uh, i think we used glue lambs in those and uh so it all, it all had to be right. Oh, yeah. There was it had no, to look pretty good. Yeah, no mistakes to be made in that. You, yeah. You just couldn't. You, you weren't going to throw sheetrock over it. So. Yeah, you couldn't throw, <laughs> you couldn't, uh, you couldn't correct the uh, concrete and things. So it all had to be exactly right. And uh, to start out, first concrete pour on eight foot walls, mm. uh, we used plywood. I drilled them all and, and uh, stood the walls and uh, put all the rebar in. Uh, through the whole walls and everything it was it was actually really how interesting how did it turn out how did that house turn it, out? it turned out wonderful yeah, really? it really did yep we had to have a metal plate bent for the top and he had it bent to fit all the directions of the uh each each uh beam as they sloped oh okay for yeah the roof slope yeah and that thing is it kind of like a like a joist hanger was that what you were doing with them no it with went on list? top to, oh, okay. To hold them all together. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so it sat down, so it was tapered down the slope of the roof in each direction. I don't even remember how they really did that now that I think about it. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, so, but it, it was a definite tie. So we had uh, lag bolts that we put down on each beam through that plate on top. And, uh, huh. and, and like I say, it was all hemlock, two by six, tongue and groove. Beautiful house when it was done. It was just absolutely beautiful. And then, but I, the, probably one of the most important things that, that helped me throughout my entire career was uh, he built down in Hollywood before he came here. That was where he did his career. All gotcha. the beautiful homes in Hollywood. Oh man, I could imagine. And what I was really surprised at, he used a square. Uh, and you know, the square's got endless uses, potential. Yeah. yeah if you can. You can uh, use them as a level, even. Yeah, uh, to to unlock all the secrets that's on the little scales on the on the oh yeah squares. They're it's a, they're a wonderful instrument. Well, uh, and I I didn't have that down yet. Uh, I was learning it on my own. But what he taught me was, uh, like on the wing of the house, it was a uh, I can't remember now thirty feet long and maybe twenty twenty two feet wide or something, and. Uh, we, we laid the floor, uh, he didn't, he came over and helped with the, uh, it was all stick frame. Back in those days, uh, not so much trusses. There were trusses being used, but but almost everything was still being stick frame. So you put up your rafters and joists separately and okay. everything had to be cut, you know, individually. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, so he says, well, I'm gonna show you how to do these. 
rafters, how to cut them. And what was really interesting, he, uh, we took a chalk line and snapped the length of the house, measured across, measured where the inside walls would set, and then had our five and a half inch for plates that went along the bottom of the wall mm -hmm. and uh, made sure we had our exact width, snapped our chalk line, and uh, that would show the inside of the wall. And he would lay his, um, so we just picked a random spot. We snapped a line across the width of the house mm -hmm. and then he would, uh, uh, we packed in lumber, two by twelves, and laid them flat on the floor. And from the chalk line he snapped across the wall, he calculated the height of the center to be the pitch, so that oh, the, yeah. where it set on the outside. So you'd have like a four twelve pitch. Yeah, yeah, four inches per twelve uh, per twelve inches in rise. And uh, and then. By doing that, he left a two by six. Well, he knew where the two by six was on by the line snapped on the side, mm -hmm. and then he uh, just crossed the two boards, and then he marked them at the top. So he knew exactly where to cut them. Yeah, and then we cut them and allowed for the ridge board, the mm -hmm. two by that goes down there, so allowed an inch and a half to fit in between them, and uh, there was no mistakes to be made. And then you just had your template because you're building it to the actual floor. You've got the floor, and as long as your walls are plumb at that point. Yeah, everything's going to yeah. fit good. Yeah, so it, it, it has to work, and then yeah. so we cut those two boards, and they became our template for yeah. All and then the rest you just and, knocked them out, huh? Yeah, and so in all my life, I I realized it wasn't just that; it was a lot of different. It's techniques. kind of the principle behind that, though, right? Yeah, a way to work smarter, not harder, kind of thing. Yeah, so you could get the job done, like they did in all of history. Uh, they didn't have a lot of the tools we have today, but yeah. they got the job done. And, yeah, they did. And that's that's what that whole, that helped me a lot, and not just building houses, but uh, in all things, because it made me realize that there there's a solution to every problem, and if you think about it, you can you can solve every problem that comes before you. So. Yeah, no, that's good, and I'm sure you probably, you know, over the time use some of those same uh, principles in logging. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, it's everything. Cause, yeah. And it was like uh, doing mechanical work. Uh, once you became a mechanic and, and did mechanical work, it uh, it crosses all kinds of barriers into other fields. It, yeah. it really does. Uh, even when I was talking, when I had my ankle replaced here, uh, well, it's been about five years ago now, they put an ankle joint in and I talked to the doctor and I said, <laughs> are, you, are you an engineer? Did you go through engineering school too? And he said, yeah. No, no, he says, uh, I took some metal shop uh, in high school. <laughs> and I said, well, that's not quite what I'm thinking about. I said, I've lived my life and I, I've had to become a, a, a mechanic, a, a good mechanic uh, for all kinds of heavy equipment. And just anything that moved, I'd, yeah. I had to do myself. And so I said, no, nah, I'm thinking more in line of, you know, you're going to put this ankle joint in, the, uh, the alignment, the the cuts you're going to make, all those things, you know, that's kind of in the ballpark of a machinist, you know? Yeah, uh, and yeah I, it really is. Oh yeah. And I'd done machine work, run lays and all kinds of stuff too. So anyhow, it, it was, uh, it was interesting, uh, but, but that's the point here is, is that the mechanical aptitude transfers mm. and it's, it probably is the same with other disciplines too. So, so after Harry, 
But let me just tell one more thing about Harry. He was a, uh, like I said, he turned out to be a really good guy. We had, we actually, he was always playing pranks of some kind. Uh. He never smiled. I don't think I ever saw him. <laughs> well, he did later because I, 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 uh, uh, had this humor side to me too and I'd give him a bad time and he'd get a grin on his face sometimes but he was really weathered and had a real long face and just when you looked at him you, you just knew he was the grouchiest guy you're ever going to run into oh yeah so one day I'm uh, uh, we're working on this hexagon house and uh, he came by to check up on us and he stopped by and uh, I don't know what the little restaurant was in Monmouth but he stopped by and uh, got a couple hamburgers, got a hamburger for each of us and uh, a cup of coffee and then came over. He was being nice that day. Yeah. And so he said, come on, come on out here, guys, and sit down and eat this. So we did, and uh, he sat, oh, about a foot away, foot and a half away from me, beside me, and we were leaning against oh, something. I don't know what the foundation of the house or something. And our coffee was sitting between us. His was sitting there, mine was sitting there, and we are eating our hamburger. And I see his hand move real slow over, and he had weathered hands, you know, from being uh, older and out in the weather, uh, you know, out, basically out in the weather. And I see this hand coming over, and I thought, what's he doing? I thought he's just going to reach down and grab his cup of coffee, and it passes his cup, and it reaches over my mind, and he sticks that big, long, dirty <laughs> finger down in, <laughs> down in my cup of coffee, and he sits there and he's just stirring it with his finger. <laughs> and I. Look over, he said, what are you doing? And he just brought his hand back, picked up his coffee, and started drinking. <laughs> but th that was his humor. Oh, uh, man. I didn't think it was funny, but it was. <laughs> That's funny. That reminds me, when Kaylee and I were first dating, uh, we were living in this apartment in Dallas, and uh, she was, she was going to pour me a beer. You know, this has been years ago, but she's going to pour me a beer, and she... Uh, I can see her through the reflection in the window and I watch her. So she cracks this can of beer open and she starts pouring it in this cup and she didn't tip the glass so that the <laughs> foam wouldn't come up. So she's got a bunch of foam rising on this beer. And so I see her, she takes her finger and she puts it in her mouth and uh, licks it. And then she puts it in my beer <laughs> and swish, swishes it around. And, uh, I hollered at her, I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, because she didn't know that I could see her. And she was so horrified that I just watched her. Because what it was is she had uh, heard of a trick to get the foam to go down. That's oh, yeah. what you do. But it was just hilarious. Oh, that's funny. That reminds me of that, too. Yeah. But, uh, all right. So, you, after, after working for Harry Framing Houses, you went on to... What were you doing after that? Uh, well, I decided I, I, I knew I was going to be self-employed. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, um, I, you know, for some reason, now that I'm thinking about this, I think actually after I got back from Vietnam, I, I returned and went back to Oregon State. I'd gone to Oregon State for a while. <clears throat> and I'd gone back to Oregon State. And that was, uh, I'd taken two terms of... Uh, I think about uh, one term of 21 hours, and I think another one 22 hours. All core classes. Heck of a load. Oh, man. It was a heck of a load. That would but be. I wanted to get done with college. Yeah, you wanted to get over yeah, it. Yeah, I was just like everything in my life. <laughs> it's always been that way. Overload myself. Oh, and, yeah. uh, 
uh, but I did I did well uh, grade wise and things. But uh, it was like I say core classes, so um, that's a whole nother story. I'll, yeah. I'll I'll go into that later. But so I did go a little bit, and I and the one thing I knew I I was going to be uh, self employed, so I was trying to get some accounting, uh, business law. In fact, I was taking a I finished the junior level business law, and I was. I might have been in my sophomore year, just starting it probably, and um, and uh, so and accounting, and then I took the algebra and was in. I'd taken the level up to where the next term was going to be calculus, and I'd never taken algebra in my life. So, yeah, that must but, have been. But it was like I was saying, I was laying the foundation for being in business. That's yeah. what I was doing, mm-hmm. and uh, because of circumstances, I never completed, and it was a bummer. It was uh, at my loss, and I'll tell that story someday. Uh, but at any rate, so uh, so I transitioned from uh, building houses into I started my my company. My uh, I started out uh, deciding I was going to log some, and uh, <clears throat> and I think I might have done a, a small job or two logging, and there was never a job I did that didn't have some major ordeal yeah, problem <laughs> and uh but what i found was in that time it was hard to to keep enough work logging it just as a small owner operator and as you know fairly small jobs so i and it, and when winter had come along of course you're shut down and so i started uh, i got hold of uh, willamette industries and they owned uh, i can't remember fifty thousand acres or something up through to the west of uh Fall City, and there was a place called uh, Fano Mountain, and there was a swamp up there, and I uh, went up and found cedar. So I thought, well, I'm going to cut shake bolts um, and uh, fence posts and rails, and yeah, and uh, see if I can get a permit from them, which I did. And uh, so, what kind of work was that? Cutting shake bolts and rails, and oh, it's hard work. What was like? Can you just walk me through like one tree? How from the time you pull your saw out to the time it's into? Oh, okay. Um, well, the the key was uh, I couldn't cut any good timber. No gr- no green trees. They all had to be snags, and there was a lot of them up there. Gotcha. In this swamp area, and um, a big uh, old growth cedar snags, mm-hmm. dangerous trees. And I was too stupid at that time to <laughs> really realize how dangerous they were. Uh, but, uh, I'd say they ran from about four foot to, I think the biggest one I cut up there was about 11 and a half foot, uh, in diameter on the stump. <clears throat> wow. And, uh, I, I didn't have much for chainsaws. They were kind of old beater chainsaws, uh, gear drive chainsaws then that's all i could afford they're slow turning chains on them compared to what the later direct drive ones were oh really yeah and uh heavy old saws nobody wanted them because they're too heavy to pack around well i was in good shape i didn't mind it so yeah and uh but i think at that time i was early on so i had the only bar i had was 32 inches long and i went to whittling on that i i didn't do it right away but uh i'd i'd start falling uh snags and then I'd work them up. <clears throat> and a shake bolt is uh, 24 inches in length. Okay. And they have to be clear wood. 
and those old growth cedars have been there for many years dead. So the, the grain, the, the growth rings in the trees were so fine that, uh, I mean, they were maybe a sixteenth of an inch. Apart. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it was beautiful cedar. Um, so when you, <clears throat> just for people that don't know, so when you, the job kind of was, you would, you'd fall the trees? Yeah. Yeah. So you would fall the trees and then would you cut them up in sections kind of like firewood? Yeah. 24 inches long. Okay. And then, and then after that, so then you've got these 24 inch long sections of these trees, which I imagine aren't light No. and you're, <laughs> and you're wrestling those around and then you have to work them up from there with like an ax. Uh, yeah. Um, were more chainsaw work or what is that? Down to you. No, they, they you have to split them so each round that you'd cut off. So if the tree was four or five foot in diameter, uh, you would work to try to tip it over, and once you got it laid down, then you'd start working on the tree. I got really good with an axe, and when you're in good wood uh, that wasn't real eaty, uh, where it wouldn't split right, it kind of hang together. Yeah. Uh, uh, when you're splitting the, the really good cedar, uh, <clears throat> if you did it right, and if you got really good with an axe, you could literally start hitting this big block uh, in an absolute direct row. You couldn't be off when you every time you hit. So yeah. you'd, you'd move the width of the axe across this five foot piece of wood. And if you hit it, and if you start hitting off, then it ruins the, the crack first, yeah, first cut of the shake bolt. Oh. So they didn't like that if you did that on the, on the blocks. Gotcha. So you had to get good enough that you hit absolutely, I'd say within a sixteenth of an inch every time you swung. Wow. And That's accurate. Yeah. And so, uh, and I, I, it didn't take me long at all, and I was able to do that. Uh, I did have a splitting mall. I did have wedges. In those hmm. days, uh, they were the steel wedges. You don't see them around that much. I, they're still out there, but because yeah. that's, if you got, I think I use some of your old wedges doing firewood. Yeah. The steel ones. Yeah. Some of the fallen wedges. Well, in fact, the fallen wedges all used to be steel. They didn't have plastic. Oh, really? plastic. Yeah. But they were a thinner, thinner, thinner wedge and it's not as tapered yeah, and stack them because you'd be lifting an old growth tree. Yeah. And that's a whole nother story. Too. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, uh, so you just start breaking this down and start splitting the, the uh, a shake bolt is a uh, literally any size block of wood that you cut and and leave it at that size. Well, I wanted to the bigger they were, the more, better the uh, the cedar buyers, the mills would like. They loved it when you had the biggest pieces you because they don't have to reset on their yeah, mode. and they get maximum. Uh, the the less you split it, you see it doesn't have spaces when you stack it and get paid. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they'll, they'll sit them, they'll, <laughs> when they're stacking them on their truck, they'll literally fit every piece together. Oh, really? So, so they get the maximum amount? Yeah. Yeah. So there's no airspace in between them <laughs> and they really are good at it. So anyhow, that was a, uh, uh, so I, I split all the bolts as, as big as I could. And, and in those days they wouldn't let me have any equipment up there. Oh, okay. So when I, I walked out uh, depending on where it's at, whether it's down in a canyon or just out into the swamp or whatever it was. And then I'd uh, put a shake bolt on top of each shoulder. And like I say, I'd, pay, I'd put as much as I could put pack up there. Pack them out? Yeah, and pack <clears throat> them out. Man, that's and hard it, work. Yeah. And later I did a lot of uh, fence rails and uh, fence posts out of cedar. 
and I'd pack all that stuff sometimes out of these canyons down, you know, eight, 900 feet down in the canyon. Man. I'd pack them all out on my shoulders. That's so, crazy. Yeah. And it wasn't until about the fifth year of doing that that uh, they finally agreed to let me use a helicopter. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, uh, again, that was a whole trans- transitional <laughs> thing. And I think the year before that, they finally let me take a small cat up. And I, I got an old uh, pickup trailer and put a tongue on it and pulled the pickup trailer because they didn't let me yard anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's just step by step. It just, you know. Just getting a little more leniency from them yeah, as you go. Well, they saw I wasn't damaging anything. Yeah. And so, uh, anyhow, uh, then by the time the helicopter actually came, then they started requiring me to use a helicopter. I couldn't take oh, it really? out the other way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was $350 an hour then. Oh, it's wow. Way more now, but that was a ton of money in those days. Well, yeah, that, that was a similar time period when you were, people were making $2.50 yeah. an hour, right? Yeah. Wow. So anyhow, um, <clears throat> so I did that for about six winters. And you want to talk, the, the elevation up there was probably 30... I think I just looked that up and it was close to four. Well, I can yeah. say 3,600 feet or something, yeah. 4,000 feet. And I'll tell you what, I the winters were so severe up there that even the foresters wouldn't be out. You know, Willamette's foresters, uh, they'd kind of wander the whole property. Yeah. And uh, every once in a while, one would stop by. I think they probably stopped by and checked, just saw what I was up to, you know. Right. <laughs> never, never announced themselves. But <clears throat> uh, I remember I was up there one day and I... The it was the the rain the sleet was literally blowing horizontal. It was so windy. Oh man! And I couldn't miss a day. I had to had to keep working. Had to get the wood out. Yeah. And so uh, I was down in the, the that area up there was uh, just loaded with rhododendron, and um, I don't know how to explain that other than it's if you if you were in an area with a lot of rhododendron, it grow maybe eight nine feet tall. And it was so intertwined that if you tried to move through it, you almost had to have a chainsaw. Oh, okay. Uh, and <clears throat> one thing about that area, it was uh, full of bear. Uh, elk, bear, deer. Oh, yeah. You know, but it was uh, that higher elevation thing, and there was, it was black bear. And uh, I was probably stupid for doing it, but I'd get down there and start cutting, and the uh, I'd hear these uh, bear Oh, wow. During mating season stuff. Yeah. And they'd be roaring and growling, and I could hear them not very far away <laughs> from me, maybe 20, 30 feet away from me, and, but they'd be out in that rhododendron. Oh, wow. And I'd just go ahead and keep cutting. Keep going on around. Yeah. I had this this thought that I'd get them with a chainsaw before they'd get me. <laughs> that was wishful thinking. Yeah. Now, now that I know what I know about bears, but anyhow, I... Uh, yeah, so I'll back back up to that where, where I was talking about the rain... Uh, and it was just blowing horizontally and and it was just the uh, horrible wind and uh, cold i don't i don't know how cold it was but it was freezing yeah and uh, uh probably in the 20s i'd say and uh the one thing i learned is you got to keep working if you can yeah if you're gonna be on that kind of weather yeah yeah you get soaking wet and you just keep moving you, you stop just, you're gonna get hypothermia yep <laughs> and uh, i had this feeling something was around me I, I think I learned that in Viet- I, I, I learned, know what you're talking about yeah too. I learned that in Vietnam I told you that one day you'll you'll know what I'm talking about a sixth sense yep I've felt that before yeah and and I had this chainsaw then that had a four foot bar on it and it was really a loud chainsaw and I, I could just feel something and I swung around with the chainsaw uh going 
and it was the Forester. Oh, <laughs> uh, he he jumped he jumped back and he was about ready to jump out of his skin. Oh, I bet you you probably thought it was a bear. Or... Yeah, yeah, but I but I was right. Something yeah, was something there. was there. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and it was so noisy the the howling wind and the, just all the brush and trees and everything. You couldn't hear anything specific, you know. So it was it was my sixth sense working and. Yeah. Uh, and he jumped back. He said, "Whoa!" <laughs> I said, "Sorry, man." I said, "I I could feel it. I could feel you. I felt something there." Yeah. And I said, "I you know with all these bears up here, I I, I stay on alert." And he said, uh, "He stood there and he says, you know, I've been up here all day long, driving around up here." Mm. And he says, "I I went by and he said, uh, he's not up here working day, but he said I saw your truck." And he said, I stopped and rolled my window down and listened. I could hear your chainsaw run. He said, I could not believe it. <laughs> so he said, I got out. And, I, and then that's how he ended up down there talking with me. And he said, all day that I've been out driving, I haven't seen one deer. I haven't seen any animals. No, nothing moving. Wow. And he said, here you are down working right in the middle of this stuff. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm trying to earn a living. That's funny. Yeah. So it was, it was fun. Uh, but that was that was life in those days. So you you did what you had to do to earn a living, and yeah, and uh, it was it was always a challenge. So yeah, well that sounds good. So what I think we can do, I know there's going to be a couple of good stories stemming from this, but this gets us set up in yeah. the in the pl- time and place that you were when you were doing shake bolts. And so the next episode we're going to dive into. We actually didn't get to the couple of events that we were thinking about uh, for today's episode, but. Uh, this this really sets up the story good. So um, yeah, I think we can pick back up there next week. Yeah, maybe we can pick up on the biggest tree I ever fell up there, and it was a just to set it up a little bit. It was a, I think it was about eleven and a half feet. I mentioned it earlier, and I was gonna I was gonna talk about that, but I got off track. So <clears throat> anyhow, it's about eleven and a half foot tree, a big snag, a huge. Uh, it was the eeriest tree you ever saw, too. I mean, it was one that had big, almost second trees growing out of the side of it that used to go uh, way high. And I would guess the thing was probably broke off at about maybe six or seven feet, probably 100 feet up. <laughs> yeah, at wow. year, way years in the past. I wonder how know. tall it was before it broke off. Yeah, and, uh, and, it, and it was split. You could see it as you walked around the tree. It was split all the way up in different ways. Oh my gosh. I figured it was going to be a challenge, and uh, we'll talk about it again <laughs> in the future. So okay. it was a a massive challenge, and you're going to be astonished about how uh, what what lack of common sense I had in those days. <laughs> <laughs> so we got we got something to look forward to. That'll be uh, that'll be next week. And uh, but yeah, I think we covered some good ground today. Thanks for coming down here. I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been fun. All right, thanks. Take care.